So um, yeah, again, uh, a real special morning today, a little bit different than the norm. Uh, the end of the year, I've always found, is a great time to look back and reflect on what God has done in our lives personally um, and as a church body. And this is something a lot of times that uh, we don't do. We don't take time ever to slow down and look back at the past and reflect and remember what God's done in our lives. But the importance of it is it prepares us for the future. Reflecting on and remembering what God's done in our past gives us the faith to know that he's gonna continue to move and continue to do things in our future. And I love what the psalmist wrote in Psalm 76 seven, verse 11 and 12, the psalmist wrote this, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. And the reality is, we don't really do that in our culture today. We don't take time to stop and just remember and ponder and meditate and reflect on all the mighty deeds of God and all that he's done in our life. Psalm 9 verse 1, the psalmist wrote, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. Again, recounting his deeds, all the wondrous things that he's done and giving thanks for it, taking time to say, wow, God, thank you for what you have done in this past year. Thank you for how you have provided for me. Thank you how you have blessed this church family. Thank you for what you are doing. I think it's a really important thing that a lot of times we don't do. We just transition from one season to the next. We go from one year to the next and we miss out on taking time to pause and reflect and remember how good God really has been. And the reality is uh, this isn't just something that we struggle with. This is something that has been a pattern throughout uh, human history from the very beginning. I think one of the most classic examples would be the Israelites. Um, in Exodus chapter 14, verse 16, you guys might know the story there. The people of Israel were, had been in slavery in Egypt and they were miraculously, through a series of miraculous events, brought out of slavery. God parted the Red Sea. They crossed over and it was absolutely amazing. And then we see just like a few days later, a few chapters later, they start complaining about the fact that they don't have food. And it's like, wait a second. Did you not just see like God miraculously delivered you from slavery? He parted like the ocean for you to walk through. And now you're like freaking out and worrying about the fact that you're not gonna have food to eat. But the reality is we do the exact same thing. God takes care of us. God meets our needs. He answers our prayers. He brings us through trials and through difficult seasons. And yet we're always looking on the horizon and saying, what's next? And then, ooh, worrying and freaking out and believing, man, God's not gonna do that. He's not gonna meet our needs. But when we look back at our past and go, look what he has done. Look how he has provided for us. Look how he has brought us through those difficult seasons. Taking time to pause and reflect on those things sets us up to have faith and believe that God is gonna continue to meet all of our needs. He's gonna continue to provide for us. And this is something that scripture actually tells us to do, to, to take time to remember what God's done. And so Joshua chapter four, um, this is just one example in scripture where we see a beautiful um, illustration of something that we're gonna do today, taking some time to reflect on what God's done in this past year. Joshua chapter four, we're gonna read through a few verses here. Um, starting in verse one, it says this. When all the nation had finished passing through over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, 
take 12 men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, take 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. So the people of Israel are now crossing over the Jordan River into the promised land. God parted the Red Sea as they went out of Egypt, and now he parts the Jordan River as they're about to enter into the promised land. And as all the people are going through, the Lord tells Joshua, hey, I want you to send 12 guys back into the river that had been parted where the priests were standing, go into the river, and I want each one of those guys, one from each tribe of Israel, to take a stone out of that river and bring it over to the other side. And you think, well, why is he calling them to do that? And then the Lord says this, uh, in verse four, It says, Joshua called the 12 men from the people of Israel, whom he'd appointed a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever." The reason God told Joshua to send those 12 men back into the river to take these stones was so that God's people would remember how miraculously God had provided for them. How amazing it was that God actually parted the Jordan River so that they could make it over into the promised land. And it was to preserve that legacy for future generations as well. They said that in the future, your kids are gonna come and ask, what are these stones for? Like if you've got a pile of stones in your camp, kids are gonna be like, what is that? And then you're gonna tell them the story. You're gonna tell them, we were, when you guys were little kids, we were brought through the Jordan River. The Lord miraculously opened it and parted it. It was to preserve the tradition and preserve what God had done so that that story could be carried on so that throughout all generations, God's people would remember how miraculous he was. They would remember how greatly he provided for them. They would remember that God was fighting for them even from the very beginning. And this is something that we see all throughout the scriptures where over and over again, God's people are told to set up a memorial stone, so to speak, or certain things are holding, to hold on to certain things to remember God's faithfulness so that throughout all generations, they would remember what God had done. In Exodus chapter 16, verse 32, it was commanded, let an omer of manna be kept throughout your generations so that they may see the bread with which I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. Again, the people of Israel, they came out of Egypt, they were complaining, and then God miraculously brought bread from heaven. It was called manna. And it's cool, after they ate that manna time and time again, God said, I want you guys to keep some of this. I want you to keep some of that manna, some of that bread from heaven so that you guys remember and you can look back, remember when we didn't have food and God, again, miraculously brought bread from heaven. This was one of the three things that was actually to be kept in the Ark of the Covenant, the manna, Aaron's rod that had budded, as well as the Ten Commandments. So this was something that uh, was a part of Israel's history. 
In Israel's tradition, they would hold on to things, not quite hoarding like Ian's parents maybe, but they would hold on to certain things that were a testimony of God's faithfulness in their lives. You guys might know this David of, uh, the story of David and Goliath, 1 Samuel chapter 17, where uh, this little boy David defeats this crazy giant by the name of Goliath. But one part of the story that a lot of people don't really know or that doesn't really get told in Sunday school is that David actually took the armor of Goliath, 1 Samuel 17:54, and he put the armor of Goliath in his tent. And then we also see in 1 Samuel chapter 21, verse 9, that Goliath's sword was wrapped up in a cloth and kept in the temple. What's the purpose of that? It was a memorial stone for David. It was for him to remember God's faithfulness in his life that he had miraculously, not by his own strength, by the power of God, defeated a giant. And so he's like, I'm holding on to this armor. I'm I'm keeping this so I can remember what God had done in my life. And so um, this is something that, again, all throughout the Old Testament, we see God's people doing, looking back and remembering, um, holding on to certain things that would remind them of God's faithfulness in their lives. And the reality is, a lot of us don't do this. It's so hard in the busyness of our culture at the pace of which our life moves to actually stop and ponder and reflect and remember God's faithfulness in our lives. And so I want to give you guys today four keys, four simple steps um, to do this. What does it look like to actually remember? How do we remember? How do we continue to look back and say, yes, God has been faithful? And I want you, if you're a note taker, just jot these four things down. If you're not, take out your iPhone and just write them down anyways, because in a second, we're gonna take some time to actually do this. Um, we're, gonna, we're gonna remember and reflect on what God's done in our church in this past year. And then we're gonna take a little bit of time for, for you guys to do this individually. And so it'd be cool to write these four things down. So four keys to biblical remembrance. The first one, Um, And they all luckily start with T, which is cool. Uh, The first one will be think. To remember, the first step is to think. Again, Psalm 77, the psalmist said, I will remember the deeds of the Lord, uh, your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work. So if we're gonna remember something, the first step is we have to stop and, and actually think about that. Remembering involves thinking. I think that's a given. It should be simple enough. So that is the first step. We, we pause and, and we just think. We look back and think about what God's done in our life. The second step uh, would be thank. Think and then thank. Again, Psalm 9, verse 1, the psalmist wrote, I will give thanks to the Lord. I will recount all your wonderful deeds. And so just thinking about what God's done is one step, but the next step is actually thanking him for it actually taking time to say, wow, you've brought this to my memory. You've, you've reminded me of your faithfulness of what you've did and, and then giving thanks for that. Because again, we move so fast from one thing to the next. We rarely take time to actually thank God for what he's done in our lives. But giving thanks, actually declaring that, actually stating that, actually writing it down, God, thank you for this. Um, it helps us remember. It helps us remember what he's done in our lives. So we're gonna take some time to think about what God's, God's done, to thank God for what he's done. The third would be, um, um, to transcribe. Um, another word for that might be just to write. And it's cool when you, when you read the Bible, th- this is a, a giant story of God's faithfulness, how God has miraculously met his people, provided for his people, protected his people, preserved his people. The story of the Bible is, is one cohesive story. And yet 
If people never took time to, to stop and write down what God had done, to transcribe it, we would not be able to understand what God had done throughout all history. If the psalmists didn't take time to, to write psalms about what God had done in his faithfulness, we would miss out on a part of that story. And so the fact that people throughout history have taken time to write down and record and transcribe what God had done in their lives, what God had done for their people, we benefit from that. And we see, whoa, if God was faithful to them, he's gonna be faithful to us. And this is something that uh, a lot of people don't really ever take time to do. Just stop and and write down, like put it on paper, write down uh, what God's done in your life so that in the future, there's gonna be seasons of your life where you're like, man, I don't know how we're gonna get through this. I don't know how we're gonna make it. You can actually look back at God's faithfulness in your life. And again, that will give you the faith to know that he's gonna continue to provide for you and that you're gonna continue to make it through that season. So think, thank, transcribe, and the fourth one, would be tell, um, to, to tell, to share with other people what God has done in your life. And again, this is why uh, God told Joshua, I want you to take these stones out of the river. I want you to bring them over with you guys into the promised land so that you guys can tell the future generations the story of what God's done in our story. You can tell future generations of God's faithfulness. And so God's faithfulness in your life and in my life, it's not just for you. It's not just for me. But when we share of what God has done in our lives. Again, this is a part of the reason why every week we have someone come and tell their story. We believe that as we share our stories and share God's faithfulness and what he's done in our lives, it, pro- it provokes faith in others and it encourages other people too. And so all these four things I think are really great keys to remembrance, to take time to think about what God's done, to thank God for what he's done, to transcribe and write down what he's done, and, and then to tell it to other people as well. And so um, we're gonna do this today, first and foremost, as a church family and, and then take some time to do it individually. And so um, I brought with me today my journal and this is um, something that, uh, this is the place where I transcribe. And there's different seasons of my life where I write in this quite a bit and then there's seasons where I don't write in it as much. But um, this past week, I was just taking time to look back through my journal entries. And um, this one specifically is a journal entry about the church. This is where I write down my thoughts and prayers and stuff like that about the church and what God's doing in the church because I want to have a, a recorded a, a story of the story. I want to be able to look back in years and go, whoa, that was crazy what happened the first couple of weeks. That was crazy what happened the first year. And so what I want to do right now is take some time as a church body, as we're about to go out of 2018 into 2019, to take some time to um, just think about what God has done in this past year. Because, uh, and again, even as I was reading through some of these entries, like, I had forgot that this was this year. Like I I forgot how much had happened in this past year. If you guys are new here, this may be uh, new for you to hear, but uh, it's pretty cool stuff that I wanted to share with you guys. And so I'm just gonna read a few of my entries. I won't read all of them or else uh, you'd be here for a long time because I kind of journal a decent amount. But uh, the first one, this is so cool. So we're gonna gonna go back and reflect on what God did this year. Uh, This journal entry is from January 21st, uh, 2018. So legitimately the beginning of the year. And this entry is called uh, First Christian Church of Ashland Gathering. So on January 21st, we had our first gathering in this building space. Before it was the story, it was the church that existed here before us, the Christian Church of Ashland. And this was a time when we were coming together, our people who were meeting in the community center with their people here to kind of feel it out and say, would this be a a good transition possibly for us to maybe come into this space? And so this was the journal entry I wrote on that day, January 21st. It says, things have been progressing very quickly in our relationship 
relationship with the Christian Church of Ashland. Today, we had our first joint gathering in their building with all their people and all of ours. We packed out the sanctuary with almost 200 people. It was truly such an amazing time seeing their older people and our younger people worshiping Jesus together. My dad and grandma came out to support us and it was such a special moment because that's the church that my grandma took my dad to when he was a kid. It was kind of a crazy thought how I was now teaching them at the church that they went to 50 years ago. It was also cool because some of the people they used to go to church with were still here and they got to reconnect. The response overall from their people and ours was amazing. We had a potluck downstairs after the gathering and got to meet and chat with some of the people that we didn't know. Brad told me that they really enjoyed having a live teacher rather than streaming one on the screen because before we moved in here, uh, they didn't have a pastor here and so they would just put YouTube videos up on the screen. And so he was like, that was cool actually having a human teach us, not on the screen. That was kind of funny. It's really amazing what God is doing through bringing our churches together. Never in a million years would I have ever thought that less than four months into the church plant, we would be in conversation about taking over the church and be, giving full, and, and be given full reign to redesign the building in the way that we see fit. So that was the first entry. It was amazing. Um, I'm kind of curious, who, who was here, if you remember, January 21st, when we were here with the Christian Church of Ashland? Is anybody here? Were they here? Raise your hand if you guys were there. Yeah. So cool, so cool. You guys remember, right? You guys remember this? You guys remember the cool red carpet and all that cool stuff? Yeah, it was pretty awesome. So that was a, just reading back on that, I was like, man, that was crazy. Um, we hadn't even moved into this building yet. It was still the Christian Church of Ashland. And uh, then my next journal entry that I thought was cool was um, uh, February 25th. So a couple weeks later, this one is titled Christian Church of Ashland Vote. It says, today the members of the Christian Church of Ashland voted as to whether or not they want this story to come in and fully take over the building and week-to-week operations. After all the votes were in, 19 out of the 20 were in favor. And so in just three weeks, we will move... (sighs) We'll move into our new facility. It's seriously so amazing how God has orchestrated this entire thing and how all their people are so willing to let us come in and take over. It's so cool how smooth the process has been going and there has really been no pushback from anyone. When we first began talking about the idea of us coming and taking over just a few months ago, I thought there was gonna be a lot of things that the leaders were not okay with because of how old and traditional the church felt. There were three main things that I brought to the elders and said were non-negotiable if we were to come in and take over. The first being that their leadership team would have to step down out of leadership so that our team could come in and lead the church in the way that God is calling us to. The second one would be that their church would have to let go of their name and that the story would move in and this would be now the permanent facility of the story. The third thing being that we would have full that we would have full authority of all remodels and designing the building the way that we desired for it to be. The building um, at this time 
hasn't been updated, it looks like, since the 60s or 70s. There were five or six different carpet patterns all throughout the building and some old school pictures hanging in random places. Rooms were painted different colors. There was random 70s furniture all over. Women's bathroom, you guys still got some. God bless you, sorry. Haven't been able to remodel that yet. And there's even a giant shelf full of VHS tapes and cassette tapes at the main entrance with a paper sheet where you can sign them out if you want to borrow them. <laughs> who, who, who was here and used to check those cassettes and VHS tapes out? We just want to bless you guys. Is there anyone here who did that? Brad, it was probably just you. I don't know. But you guys missed it. It was actually my favorite thing. We came in and there was this cool shelf and, and, and you could actually sign out cassette tapes and VHS tapes. I didn't know those still existed, but I was like, whoa, that's really cool. And I think they're still downstairs in the basement. There's like a whole nother wing of the church that none of you have ever even seen. There's like five other rooms we haven't even started redesigning. If you want some VHS tapes or cassette tapes, let us know and uh, we'll see what we can do. God bless you. So... Um, it was cool. Uh, so God is faithful and so good. And never in a million years would we have guessed that less than six months into the church plant, we would be given um, this building right in the heart of downtown Ashland. It's such perfect timing as well because these last two weeks in the community center have been insane. And we have had to turn our lobby where the food and drinks sit into extra seating because the building has been so packed full. Who was here for those days? You guys remember that? Yeah, sitting in this side lobby. It's just crazy. Man, I didn't think I would get emotional, but it's crazy. Um, so that was, uh, that was the vote. They voted and said, yes, you guys, we want to give it to you. And uh, then three weeks later, we moved in for our first Sunday, and that was March 18th. So um, yeah, I guess we've been in this building nine months now. March 18th, and I wrote a little journal entry on that day. I'll share a little bit of this with you guys. It says, our first Sunday at the new building was so amazing. Literally every single seat on the main floor was taken, and we had to send people to sit in the balcony even though it wasn't finished and there was no chairs. This was by far our biggest Sunday yet. It was also our first pre-gathering prayer, which was so rich and so full of the Spirit. Karen had a vision during that prayer time of an un- unquenchable whirlwind hovering over the building. The crazy thing about it was that I was teaching on the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost and how the place was filled with a mighty rushing wind. It was so cool because we really believe that the Spirit is doing a fresh work here in Ashland, but we need the fresh wind that only he can bring if that's gonna continue to happen. My favorite part of the gathering was having my grams share her story. It was so cool because she went to this church 45 years ago, and so having her be the first person sharing her story was really special. And so, uh, yeah, that was the kind of the journal entry from that first uh, Sunday that we had together. Super cool, super exciting time. Um, just a few weeks after that, uh, I recorded this journal entry on March 4th, or January, March, April 6th, 2018, um, which I titled Favor Slash Expectation. Um, and I don't think I've ever shared this one with anybody. Today, I was at a coffee shop with a guy I met a few months back. I had never hung out with him, and so I was just wanting to connect and hear his story. At the end of our time together, I prayed for him, and after, he said he felt a strong word from the Spirit as I was praying over him. The first word was favor. He said that I'm in a season of abundant favor with God. The word could not have been more spot on. Over these past six months, I've seen God's blessing and favor in my life more than ever before. My wife is six months 
becomes pregnant with our first baby on the way. The church has been growing at a rapid pace. We were just given a building right in the heart of downtown Ashland. The second word he shared was expectation. He said to raise the bar of my expectation of what God wanted to do. He said what God wants to do in and through the church is even greater than what I can expect. And so I need to raise my expectation. He said, God is bringing us into a season of abundance. The crazy thing about him sharing this is that God has already done so much more than I ever expected uh, from the very beginning. And the fact that he has so much more planned is kind of mind blowing and hard for me to comprehend. It's actually really hard to raise my expectation of God even more because he's already doing so much and blessing the ministry so much more than I could have ever imagined. And so, um, yeah, that kind of, that was at a really interesting point in time. That was on April. And he said, number one, the church is in a season of favor. And then he also said, expectation, raise your expectation of what God wanted to do. And as I was journaling that, I was like, I, I, I was already so blessed. Like, how can we expect more to be like, we were given a building, like I was having a kid, like there was so much good stuff going on. And um, right after he, he shared that word, it was three weeks later that we received the anonymous donation for $200,000 to be able to remodel and get the new sound system and lights and stuff like that. So, um, and I believe if I'm being completely honest, I didn't even raise my expectation. I didn't expect that God would like do even more. It was like, what? How can he do more? And then like, he just wanted to bless it even more. And then a, a couple of months after that, this is kind of a side note, but uh, when we moved into Ashland, we started renting this tiny one bedroom house, but we loved it. And ever since the time we moved in, I was like, man, it'd be cool to one day, you know, buy this house. And we asked our neighbors, do you know the owner? And they're like, no, he lives overseas. He hasn't been here for like seven years. And we're like, shoot, okay, whatever. So um, a few months after this too, some random dude like showed up at my house one day and I was like, yo, what are you doing at my house? He's like, no, it's my house, bro. And I was like, oh, okay, come on in. And he was like, I haven't been here for seven years. I just want to, you know, check it out. And I was like, oh, okay. And so he walked around and was checking it out. And I was like, are you like the owner or what? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, dude, you got to check on your properties a little more than seven years. You know what I'm saying, homie? But then I was like, oh, ma- but maybe he doesn't really care. So I was like, hey, bro, like, I'm just seeing if you want to like sell the house. He's like, eh, I don't know. And then left. And I was like, okay, cool. And then I got a phone call the next day and he's some random number. He's like, hey, it's me. I'll sell you the house. And then he like low key, like sold us the only house in Ashland we could ever afford a tiny one bedroom, you know? And it was like, awesome. It was so cool. And even that was like, now I'm here, right? Like I ain't going nowhere. Cause I got a mortgage to pay now, you know? So <laughs> it was the Lord's way of being like, man, you're here. Like we're rooted. It was so cool. But that was just like for me personally, um, which was super cool. So that one dude shared that word. Um, favor and expectation. And then right after that, uh, the Lord just started pouring that out in in such an amazing way. And then one month later, May 13th, um, here's another journal entry um, that is titled Prophetic Word of Favor, Blessing, and Future Growth and Leadership. Here's what I wrote on May 13th, about a month after that one guy shared that word with me. He said, uh, or I said, uh, we are nine weeks into our series on the Holy Spirit and have been seeing more Uh, seeing him move in more cool ways in doing things in our gatherings more than I would have ever expected. We have been taking a lot of time to just listen to him after the teaching. And then I have been letting people share if they feel he's given them a word of encouragement or edification or a prophetic word for our church body. A lot of really cool stuff has been shared. 
And it's been really speaking to people in very specific ways. The word that was shared today, I really felt was a prophetic word from the Holy Spirit. After the gathering, Peter texted me and told me to call him when I had a second. I called him right away and he told me one of his friend's moms came to the story for the first time today. And while we were waiting on the Holy Spirit and listening to his voice, she had this amazing vision. She was nervous to share it with the whole church, but told Peter after church. Her vision was that God had cracked open the heavens above the church building and he was pouring out his favor and blessing on our church in a supernatural way. She also said that she saw a powerful anointing on my life and tons of favor being poured out onto my life. The craziest part of what she said, or, or the craziest part is She said this was just the beginning of what was about to happen. In her vision, the heavens had just been cracked open, but even though... But even though we feel we have been seeing God move in such incredible ways, this was just the start. She said she saw the heavens begin to open wider and wider, not just over our church, but over the whole city of Ashland and eventually spreading to other countries. She said the favor that's being poured out on our church is going to spread all through Ashland and the Rogue Valley and then into other countries. I literally couldn't even fully comprehend how God has been planning something so much bigger than even we expected. Even as I journal this, it's hard to imagine, but I believe that this is from the Holy Spirit. I believe we're just seeing the beginning of a great outpouring that's about to happen. It's going to be so big that the only way we will be able to explain it is by giving all the glory to God and the power of his Holy Spirit. In her vision, she said she saw two other leaders being raised up to help me carry the weight of what's about to happen. In her vision, Peter was one of them. which is so crazy because from the first time he came to the story, I felt strongly that God had a huge plan for his life and that he had brought us together for a reason and that this was just the beginning of what he was about to do. So um, that was at a pretty crazy point in the church. Um, At that point, we were almost a year old and I was the only person um, on staff and was starting to get pretty burnt out was working probably 70 to 80 hours a week, not even being able to take days off, um, just way too much going on with how quickly the church had grown. And then she had this vision about two leaders being raised up to come and help me. And it was within the next two months that we were able to financially at that point bring on Sarah um, to start taking over all the administrative stuff, which um, she's been doing an amazing job. And then Peter um, bringing him on as well to um, start the youth program. And so... um, it was just so crazy that this was, you know, what the Holy Spirit gave her, like just at the time where we were needing to make that transition, if we were going to continue to be able to sustain the growth of what was happening. And so um, it was just so cool. Like I was reading that and was like, man, had I not, you know, journaled this and, and wrote this down, I, I would have forgot about how miraculous, like even one of these entries is that like people were hearing from the Holy Spirit and sharing these things. And that over time, we're seeing that come to pass. And um, just to give you guys a little like update as well, and like vision casting for the future 2019, part of our vision was like spreading um, beyond Ashland and into other countries as well. And I want to let you guys know that um, about two months ago, we 
the story joined a really cool church planting network. It's called A Jesus Church. And um, the, the guys who oversee A Jesus Church are up in Portland. The main church is called West Side A Jesus Church. Um, pastor Dominic Doan was my pastor and boss in Maui. Um, when I was a student there at the Bible College, he was my boss. I worked for him. He went and planted a church in, um, I think, South Carolina, who now Brian Fowler took over. Dominic Doan is back in Portland. And they started the network called A Jesus Church um, for churches who are, are like-minded and like-hearted and um, just want to collaborate and, and see how we can advance the kingdom together um, as a group. And it's really cool. Most of the guys who are uh, church planters in that network are guys I went to Bible college with, guys I already have relationships with. My buddy Jake's here mixing on the soundboard today. He's a part of Park Hill. Uh, is it Park Hill? Yep, Park Hill. I was thinking the other one that's gonna be up in Portland with Al Tretman. But um, it's really cool. It's a network of churches who are dreaming about and praying about what it looks like um, to, to do mission together. And so um, it's just really cool how in this lady's vision, it was not just you know staying here, but being a part of something bigger as well. We're now a part of this network where we're gonna have opportunities to do that. I just got an email from them this week that the first trip they're gonna be doing in May is a trip to Peru to go and visit some orphanages in Peru. And as a church, we're gonna be praying about um, working down there and then eventually being able to send teams down there and stuff like that. So it's just really exciting um, how this is something that God has been putting together. It started with this vision of this lady and then being invited into the network and now having opportunities in this next year to be able to start doing some work overseas is really cool and really exciting. So um, I just wanted to share that with you guys. If you guys are ever up in the Portland area on a weekend, go check out Westside. It's a really cool thing what they're doing there. So um, there's one more journal entry I figured I wanted to read with you guys today. Um, just reflecting on what God's done in this past year, super cool. Um, that would be um, the journal entry from October 7th, which was uh, titled One Year Celebration. So um, I wrote, today was absolutely incredible. We celebrated our one year birthday as a church, and it also was our final Sunday with only one gathering. The entire building was packed out. We had tons of people sitting in the staircase, not even being able to see the stage, and also tons of people standing in the back with no seats. We took time to look back and reflect on all God has done in the first year. It's crazy to think one year ago, we were in a park with 20 people, and now we have our own building with 300 people. For the teaching, I felt strongly on my heart to share the same vision teaching I gave exactly one year ago on opening Sunday. I taught from the parable of the sower and how God is calling us as a church to scatter gospel seeds on all types of different soil and be a church who invites all people regardless of their heart posture towards God. I shared how God is growing this church because of the seeds that people are planting in the community and in the lives of so many individuals. After the teaching, I gave the invitation to step into the waters of baptism for anyone who wanted to say yes to Jesus. We got to baptize seven people and it was absolutely incredible. Hearing the stories of how each of these individuals came to the Lord at the story was such a confirmation of what I had just taught. Most of them were not raised as Christians, but were invited to the story by a friend and have been coming ever since. Um, and then 
at the end, uh, it was such an incredible way to end our one-year celebration. God has been so faithful throughout this first year and has blessed us as a church and my family beyond what I could have ever imagined. And then I close out, um, which I do with most of my journal entries, just recording a personal you know, prayer of thanksgiving. And so um, I just thought it was a, a great Sunday to get to do this, to get to, for, for me this week, reading back through these was so cool. And just remembering what God's done in this past year, um, like my, my heart is so blessed as I personally took that time to do that, to look back and reflect on what God's done in my life and what he's done in this church. And so this is something, again, we see in scripture um, that, that we're told to do as a psalmist writes, man, remember and reflect and thank and write and all those things. And a lot of times we just don't, uh, have the time and space to do that. And so this morning, as we're coming to the end of 2018, I wanted to create some space um, to do that right here. Because uh, I know if I give a homework assignment, do it at home, a lot of you guys are gonna get so busy and you'll miss out on the opportunity. And so what we're gonna do right now is, is take just about 10 minutes and I want you guys, the four keys are wrote down to think, thank, t- transcribe, and then to tell, that'll come later. But to take some time and, and just think about your past year. And if there's any key highlights or big moments where you're like, man, I remember I was praying for this and, and God came through or we remember that God showed up in this way or whatever to actually take time to write those down. Maybe a lot of you guys don't actually have physical journals. I would say just do it in a note on your iPhone or Android or something like that. But for me personally, um, a few times a year when I get to look back at what God's done in my life and what God's been doing in the church, nothing encourages my heart and encourages my faith more than reflecting on God's past faithful faith and so we're gonna take time to do that right now. So if you do have a notebook, you can pull that out. Um, again, this is a little bit out of the norm. This is something we do every week, but I thought that it would be cool as a church family for, for us to be able to create some space here for you guys to do that, to look back and reflect and actually journal and write down what has God done in your past year. So if you don't have a journal, take out your phone. If you don't have a journal or a phone, um, you can just take this time to actually just meditate and think back and and reflect on what God's done. But if you do have anything to write down, I'd really encourage that, whether it be phone or hard copy journal. And we're gonna take just about 10 minutes and uh, then I'm gonna come back up and uh, pray us out and then we'll close with some music. But let's take time to think, to thank, and to transcribe what God's done in our hearts and in our lives in this past year. If you're still journaling, Um, I would really encourage you um, later this afternoon or this week to maybe take some more time too to... Just to, just to get down on paper or get down in that note, um, really all that God's done in your life this last year. And you will be so blessed in the next year, taking time throughout the year to go back and look at that and say, wow, um, look what God has done and, and, and look how faithful he was. It truly is one of the most encouraging things. And so um, I would challenge you guys in that to, to finish writing down your thoughts and um, just taking an extended time to really pray through that and really be able to meditate and thank God, what have you done in writing those down? Um, giving thanks as well, um, making that a part of what you write down, writing down your thankfulness um, is amazing and incredible. And then um, the tell part as well, um, which they were told in Joshua to tell the future generations. Um, I think that a good starting place for this would be with your family, um, you know, to, to take some time, make some space to, to, as a family, look back and reflect and share what God has done. And uh, if there's other people in your life as well who you're close with, just sharing with other people what God's done in your life for their benefit and yours. You'll both be mutually encouraged 
um, you'll find amazing. So I want to challenge you guys in that. Um, today, as you're hanging out here and just having conversation, ask somebody, uh, you know, what's, what's one cool thing that God's done in your life this past year? And we can share stories of what God's done here as well. 